Sleep Paralysis Alien Abduction Attempts One moment you are resting peacefully in your bed and the next you are confronted by something frightening that you didn't even believe existed. Fear is the initial reaction of many but what we do after that can make the difference between suffering trauma or strengthening our personal power. What makes the vital difference and separates the victims from the survivors? And how can we tap into our supernatural strength and become more powerful than we ever thought possible? Consider these things and more on this episode of The Supernatural Explorer. Supernatural Explorers, welcome to episode 22, Overcoming Sleep Paralysis and Alien Abduction, Understanding Your Supernatural Strength. This episode, I'm going to briefly discuss what sleep paralysis is, the entities sometimes associated with it, and most importantly, provide an understanding of your supernatural strength and how you can use that to claim your freedom from these unwanted episodes. Throughout, I'll also be reporting on my encounters with the various entities associated with sleep paralysis to explore if they are real on any other plane of existence besides the minds of their victims. Before we get into all that, I want to share some updates from the last show on the exorcism of Skinwalker Ranch. First off, when I released a promo video for the show on Instagram, I had opened by saying of the Skinwalker Ranch that it was known to be cursed by evil shamans. While I'm a Leo and have a tendency for the dramatic, I want this show to be based on facts and experiences that ring true, not fictional BS. And thankfully, Saj the Only, a Native American, called me out on my BS which gave me the opportunity to quickly correct my mistake from my podcast and videocast. The phrase, believed to be cursed by evil spirits, rang much truer. Saj reminded me to be sure to be respectful when talking about Native Americans. I also learned that he designed some pretty cool and colorful shoes, handcrafted in Italy, perfect for Leos and non-Leos alike. So if you're not watching YouTube and looking at them right now, I'll put a link in the show notes for you to find Saj and send him some love. And if you ever hear me make a mistake or go off the rails, please feel free to hit me up on Instagram 
at the Supernatural Explorer or email me at the Supernatural Explorer at gmail.com so you can help keep me on track. Thanks again, Saj. Back to more Skinwalker Ranch exorcism related updates. In the years that I have been facilitating the removal of unwanted attachments from people and things, I've noticed an interesting pattern when I deal with things that are particularly dark and powerful. They tend to show up in some way near me and make their presence known. I've been grabbed and shook. I've felt very dark and ominous presences in my home, up in my face. I've heard loud banging noises, some that rumble my house as if a tree just fell on it. I've heard a variety of odd howls and animal-like noises, nothing like dogs or cats, and I live in the suburbs, not near any woods or wild nature. I always take these scare tactics as signs I am on the right path, because if I wasn't, why would whatever is causing these strange occurrences even bother to come at me or try and spook me? The first night I dedicated to facilitating the exorcism of Skinwalker Ranch, I awoke to another strange occurrence of a different variety. When I got up that morning and lifted the shade to my front door, I noticed a robin sitting on the railing to my front stoop, and it was just looking at me as if it was waiting for me. Soon enough, it tried flying into my house through the glass door. I've had birds accidentally do that before, but this seemed very intentional, as evidenced by the fact that it tried again and again and again without ceasing during the daylight hours over the next few days. Jen and I had never seen anything like it before and had no idea what it meant, though we both felt like it meant something. I thought it must have been related to the exorcism and skinwalkers in some way. I even entertained the idea of it being a shapeshifter, but only for a second, because I didn't sense any fear or darkness. And it wasn't even a black crow or other scary type of bird. It was a cute little robin. Stumped and feeling really bad for this bird, I posted a short video on Instagram asking if anyone had any ideas what this meant. I received a few funny responses, and then I saw one that absolutely rang true to me and really resonated with me. Anne Baradinucci wrote, Maybe that bird is protecting you. That was it. That made total sense to me. I had been feeling slightly off the past few days, but not enough to put any attention into it. Just thought I was a little more tired than usual. And I notoriously get hyper-focused on my tasks at hand that I sometimes let self-care slip like making sure my house is psychically protected. That night while doing my distance work, I made sure to put some extra intentions and protections in place. And on Anne's advice, I saged my entire house for good measure. The next morning, when I lifted the shade, the robin was on the rail right next to the front door. When it saw me, instead of flying away, it looked me right in the eyes. We stared at each other, for a solid minute. During that time, I sent a gratitude and love from my heart for bringing us the gift of protection. It then flew away and I haven't seen or heard it back since. I get chills telling the story now 
And it's really amazing how these supernatural, paranormal, spiritual events are when you're fortunate enough to notice them. If that all wasn't enough, Jen didn't know that I had reached out on Instagram or about the replies and possible meanings or about my farewell to the Robin. And every morning, Jen pulls an oracle card, randomly selecting the deck and the card. From hundreds of cards, she just happened to pull an Archangel Michael card saying, Your home is protected by angels. Totally reaffirming everything that had just happened. So crazy. This, by the way, also introduces Archangel Michael into this episode as he comes up again later. With all these affirmations and synchronicities around our little Robin, I was not surprised at all to learn after that Anne has psychic abilities. She wasn't just guessing why the bird was there. She somehow knew, and she was right. So I wanted to learn a bit more about her because she was definitely in the zone. Anne is a life review reader, meaning she can give you a reading of your life's purpose and help you to understand what you should be focusing on and trying to accomplish. So, all the things people learn when they have a near-death experience without the near-death part. I wish I'd met Anne in my 20s when I didn't have a clue about anything. The kind of information and guidance she provides would have been life-changing for me, no doubt. Anne is also a speaker, teacher, and fellow energy healer. She's here to help, so for those of you not watching on YouTube and can't see her contact info, you can reach her at lifereviewreader at gmail.com and I'll put her email and website in the show notes. Thanks again, Anne. Okay, this whole Robin being a protector or messenger story besides being a cool experience, also happens to be a great segue into what we are about to explore this episode. I've often said that everything happens for a reason, or that there is a lesson in everything. With that being true, once you can grasp a lesson, the messenger, the bringer of that message, can go away. Just like the Robin did in my story. Let's see how all this directly relates to overcoming sleep paralysis and alien abduction and understanding your supernatural strength. To gain foundational information about this episode, I watched two documentary type shows on Netflix, both very similar. One was called The Nightmare and it was released in 2015. And then about a year later, another one was released called The Entity. Sleep paralysis is the inability to move or speak as you are waking up or falling asleep. With eyes wide open, for some it includes overwhelming fear, difficulty breathing, feelings of suffocation, and sensing or seeing shadows, creatures, or aliens at or on their bed or on top of them. Different cultures historically have different names for the attacking entities, including the Nightmara, Incubus, Succubus, the Hag, Papaboa, and what seems to me to be more historically recent, Aliens. 
An attack of sleep paralysis can go a little something like this. Imagine you are lying in bed, conscious yet unable to move or speak or scream. The more you struggle to move, the more you realize that you are paralyzed, helpless. You feel the pressure on your chest as if something is on you, pinning you down. Fear consumes your rational mind as your eyes slowly adjust to the darkness. Your fear quickly turns to panic when you notice it, them, watching you. Before I continue, I want to make a statement about reality itself. For anyone who experiences sleep paralysis and or encounters unwanted entities, it does not matter one bit if anyone else believes if it's real or not, or if it is a hallucination or an attack by an entity or entities. It is indeed real if it is experienced as real, and more importantly, if the effects of that experience are real. People who suffer from sleep paralysis can suffer from real trauma, some equal to the signs, symptoms, and actual changes in the brain associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. Some during these episodes report the life is being sucked out of them. Others report being physically assaulted, even raped. And for a large group of Hmong immigrants living in America, Otherwise healthy people were dying in the night due to this phenomenon. To them and others, it did not matter one bit that some researchers were maintaining that what victims were seeing and experiencing were hallucinations because the effects were certainly not imaginary. It's interesting to note that sleep paralysis attacks and their effects have been seen to exist regardless of specific cultural beliefs and expectations. However, the story of the Hmong people in America does highlight the importance of the power of belief in all of this. The Hmong believe specific spiritual rituals protect them. When they first moved to America and lived in the confines of cities, that made it so they were unable to perform their rituals. And this opened them to attack. During the 80s, over a hundred people died from what is called sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome. When the Hmong began to move out to the suburbs and now had the space to practice their spiritual protection rituals again, the deaths stopped. This was all discovered by Dr. Sherry R. Adler of the University of California. She even wrote a book on it if you're interested entitled Sleep Paralysis. Nightmares, Nocebos, and the Mind-Body Connection, Studies in Medical Anthropology. Available on Amazon, of course. Thank you, Dr. Adler, for your work. When I think of the story of the Hmong, two questions come to mind. Were their beliefs opening and closing the door to attacks by a benevolent entity? Or... Were their beliefs creating the reality of the entity in their minds? It obviously doesn't matter for the Hmong because the result was the same. 
but if I was going to explore this further, I wanted to know what was going on and more about the supposed entities that were attacking people while they were in a defenseless state. Medical-minded people have their perspective that it's a malfunction of the human operating system, sometimes accompanied by hallucinations, the result of both being awake and dreaming at the same time. But what might we learn from looking at this from another perspective? It was time for me to put my distance skills to work, and I asked to first be connected with someone who was experiencing sleep paralysis and wanted to be freed. I immediately felt as if I was lying on my back and my energy, my spirit, was above me, in front of my body. From a spiritual perspective, this made sense to me. If most of what controls you is outside of your body, then it's not in your body to control things. It's like your leg falling asleep and you can't move it until your energy repopulates it. Now, I don't know of any way to expedite the process of waking a limb that has lost circulation and feels asleep, but I do have personal experience expediting the process of returning to and regaining control of your body. And this brings us back to the importance of belief in understanding and owning your supernatural strength. At least a dozen times in my life, I've experienced a version of sleep paralysis where I know I am one step away from being fully awake, right on the edge of it, but I'm unable to move or speak. I have full awareness of where I am and what is going on. And most all of these occurred in the first few decades of my life when I wasn't married and didn't have anyone sleeping next to me to help wake me up. Outside of these episodes, I was a master of my dreams. I could fly, make myself as big as a giant, or command the sun to rise at night. However, when these episodes occurred, I was totally paralyzed and helpless. Now, no matter how much I physically struggled, I could not move and was not released until whatever was holding me was good and ready to release me. And that usually took a few minutes. So, torture. If these episodes were purely malfunctions of my human operating system, then it would make sense that nothing I did would stop it until my brain was ready to shift gears into fully being awake. But that doesn't explain the one time I easily escaped the paralyzing hold. When I was working overtime, practicing my distance skills, and assisting people in removing unwanted attachments, I spent a lot of time focused on what I thought of as my two main protectors, Archangel Michael and Durga. I was always connected with my entire spirit team, but if I ever felt like an exorcism attempt was going south, I'd call them in and move out of the way. Whether you think of that as real or not, possible or not, does not matter. That was my belief, and it worked. So last year when I noticed I was having one of my sleep paralysis episodes, I was very happy that I had trained myself out of habit to call on my protectors in times of trouble, such that I didn't even have to think about it. Soon as I noticed I couldn't move, I started calling to them in my mind, Durga! 
And even before I could say the M in Michael, in a split second, I was fully awake and fully free. No struggle, no fuss, no muss. Now, this is not intended to sell you on Durga or Michael or any specific belief. You do you, always. But this is absolutely intended to sell you on the power of belief. While I was still connected with and helping the person who was suffering sleep paralysis to get back into their body, the download came to me about how belief works to free you. When you ask for help from something that you view as greater than you in some way, what you are actually saying is, I don't know how to do this. I trust that you know how to do this and will do this. Think about how powerful that intention is. What it says to your brain is, I know I can't control my sleep-wake response or my heartbeat or anything that is seemingly autonomic. But I believe something can override that, and I want that to happen. And then with that magical belief, it often does happen. Call it your protector, your higher self, or a higher power, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that you believe enough in something that allows for the magic to happen. Related side note here. Wim Hof proves to more and more people every day that we can indeed override our autonomic nervous system to become healthier physically, mentally, and emotionally, despite what scientists formerly believed to the contrary to be impossible. So right there, scientists show how belief can hold us, and Wim Hof shows how beliefs can free us. And you can learn more about that on my Wim Hof episode. Back to the person I was helping with their sleep paralysis. As they re-entered and merged with their body, I was given a final gift before ending the session. While I'm sure there are factually infinite exits when leaving the body to go on our little astral journeys as we sleep, I'm willing to bet that most Unconsciously, of course, because who really thinks about or plans this sort of thing? Most exit through one of two ways. The front or the back. I can further see that how when we sleep face up, we are more likely to exit through the front. And when we sleep face down, we are more likely to exit through the back. All hypothetical, I know. But not hard to imagine at all. The person I was just connected with and helped felt as if they had exited through and were returning via the front of themselves. I felt no fear or difficulty breathing, and energetically speaking, this made sense to me. Because all of our crap, our stress, fears, stuff that we should be unloading and leaving behind, is held in our backs. So the experience of leaving out the front versus leaving out and returning to the back could be the difference between having pleasant dreams and being stuck in nightmares. If as you approach your sleeping body to wake, your energy, your spirit is waiting outside the back of you and you are face up in bed, 
Not only do you have the physical weight of your body on top of you, you're in a holding pattern in your backside, an energy field that is the cesspool of your mental and emotional waste. Then, how easy is it for either your imagination or an actual entity to take hold of you and kick you while you're down? That is, unless you have some strong belief that you can call upon to pull you out, or rather, up and back into your body. Yeah, before all this, I never put any thought into considering how my energy or my spirit might be leaving my body at night. But now I can't help but think of it. Sleeping face up and leaving from the front definitely seems ideal. Though I have heard that the best way to leave if you want to be fully conscious about it and protect yourself, is through your heart. I imagine any way is better than leaving through the crap on your backside or through your monkey brain. Curious if there were indeed entities taking advantage of people in these paralyzed states, or worse, even causing them to occur? I asked to be connected with the worst of the Newfoundland hags. I was careful the way I asked this one. I wanted to be sure I'd be able to tell the difference between being connected with an actual spirit versus an idea or tulpa. The concept of a tulpa is relatively new to me, so in short, it's an entity created through thinking about it, enough that it becomes separate and exists outside of the thought that originally created it like what some believe the Slender Man to be, a truly fictional, creepy character that people then reported encountering. What I felt when connecting with the worst of the hags did not feel like an intelligent spirit, but felt like a non-intelligent, reactive energy field that did not have a spirit. It felt as if it was held and sustained by extreme belief, And to my recollection, this was the first entity I've encountered that I would describe as an existing tulpa. This is not to say that it's not real and does not exist, but it's also not plotting, planning, praying, or evil unto itself. It's as if it was created out of fear and thereby feeds off the fear that created it. It's something that exists at certain unseen vibrations and if you are resonating at that vibration you could potentially attract it encounter it even if you formally never heard of it before it travels much the way the collective consciousness travels like how monkeys on one island can learn how to wash sweet potatoes And then like magic, the idea can be known and experienced by monkeys on a totally separate island. Because the hag seems to be created by belief in one direction, then it could be argued that belief in the opposite direction could see her disappear back into the ether from which she was created. I imagine the issue with the hag could be even more problematic for those who don't know about her. It's easier to defend against an enemy that you know about, for sure. So if people know that there are things out there that can affect us in our sleep and as we wake, then people can start to put beliefs and practices in place 
that harness their supernatural powers against these things. Like having the intention that if you leave your body at night, it only be through the clear exits, not the thorny ones. Like having the strong belief that if you find yourself faced with something, some dark creature or alien, that some higher power will help you if you call on it. In both YouTube documentaries, The Nightmare and The Entity, there is mention of the Paupaboa that has been most troublesome on the African island of Zanzibar. It was described as a genie, spirit, or incubus that physically assaults and rapes some victims. There have been epidemics of widespread attacks by the Paupaboa, the latest one occurring in 2007. During these epidemics, large numbers of people have sleep paralysis attacks on the same exact night. People expected it was due to witchcraft, so government agents and communities would find these people and take care of them, killing them, burning them, while others would just disappear. After these forced and violent cleansings, the Paupaboa attacks would subside. Curious, I asked to be connected with the worst of the Paupaboa to see what I would experience. I felt an entity, a spirit. It was intelligent, dark, ominous, and trying to black out my thoughts and overshadow my mind and will. I have a lot of experience dealing with such things, and I smartly stepped back and let those highest spirits I believe in handle it. It took about 8 to 10 minutes for this entity to balance out, chill out, and lighten up. As with most dark energies I encounter, this too was grossly misguided and misdirected. I got the sense it was not always a palpaboa, and it felt like it was once, way back when, just like you and me. Power had corrupted it, as it often does to souls, and then the people continued to empower it with fear. The belief in what it was reinforced what it was. It was held by a cycle of fear as much as the people who held that fear. I got the analogy of a crack addict that wants to change except that people keep offering it crack. A fear monger that wants to change except that people keep offering it fear. Belief helped to create it and belief does help to defend against it. It's just unfortunate for the people of Zanzibar that their beliefs include harm and violence as the way to liberation. Nobody can change anyone else's beliefs. We can only hope that people see and experience another way that also works and then they try that instead. Like using more benign rituals instead of brutal homicide. Which brings us back to the Hmong. I asked to be connected with the worst of what was attacking the Hmong in the U.S. If the Paupapoa was the drug addict, this entity was the drug dealer. Not just profiting from fear, but intentionally spreading it as well. The simple truth is, if nobody buys what it's selling, it's out of business. And the Hmong have shown how their belief in the rituals to protect them keeps them safe and their sleep-paralyzing attacker out of business. So, what's the lesson in all these stories? 
Because like the Robin at the beginning of this episode, as with all lessons in life, once the lesson is learned and understood, the messenger can leave. It's apparent that there are unseen vibratory levels from which horrors can come, whether they be the creations of our mind or actual intelligent entities. If that is true, which it apparently is, then there also exists the possibility of higher, stronger, benevolent vibrations that can free us and keep us that way. We all have free will and we all have the ability to be masters of our minds and beliefs. If something gets by that, the lesson in general as learned from these stories is to strengthen your beliefs. Belief itself is the superpower we all have access to or the free will to discount and disregard. If you suffer from attacks of sleep paralysis, I sincerely hope this helps you. If you don't suffer from these attacks, but you feel other unwanted, mostly unseen things messing with you, please consider the value in strengthening your beliefs in the ability to overcome anything. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. A final note. If belief is too much to ask... I'd like to share one more trick that I was taught by one of my more comical protecting spirits. I've heard this technique used with success by others as well. When I was still in the beginning phases of my training and learning how to have unwanted attachments removed, the possessing spirits started out wimpier and then got progressively stronger and darker as I grew in my abilities. Makes sense, a good training technique. I vividly remember the first time I encountered one of my first big bosses. My initial reaction was, oh crap. Immediately, my favorite little protecting spirit flashed up a clown emoji in my mind's eye, which totally made me laugh out loud and showed me the power of humor in dispelling darkness and dark entities. This totally reminds me of that Star Trek episode where they're laughing at that thing in the corner of the Enterprise. I also remember hearing on a podcast, and I wish I could remember who said it, that they felt an unwanted entity on their bed one night, and they responded by asking it such a ridiculous question that it dispelled anything from happening. And they just rolled over and went to sleep unbothered. So both belief and humor are two supernatural powers that you can practice in your waking life so you then have them at the ready for when you need them. Alrighty, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. Thanks to all our vital workers out there who are keeping the world running and caring for the sick while the rest of us just stay home and keep things from spreading. Be safe, be well, Stay strong, positive, and healthy. Until next time, everyone, peace.